Welcome to the Sound Lifestyle Medicine Podcast, hosted by Dr. Mark Stefani and Dr. Jim Kozowitz. Doctors Mark and Jim are here to help navigate elements of your lifestyle that will lead to optimal health. Through deep dives into popular health topics, they will help you discover transformative insights tailored toward well-being and guide you toward a sound and healthy lifestyle. Welcome to Sound Lifestyle Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Stefani. And I'm Dr. Jim Kozowitz. Today's episode, we will be talking about why it is hard. Why is it hard? I guess the better question is, uh, is it hard at all? And what we're talking about are lifestyle changes. You know, I think anybody who who tells you that it's going to be easy is simply trying to sell you something. But that doesn't mean that these changes aren't insurmountable. It doesn't mean that they can't be eventually easy. But I think we should acknowledge and be honest with our listeners that, yes, starting out can sometimes be uh, challenging. What are your thoughts, Jim? No, I, I think the, the, the real issue is um, our culture over time, especially let's say in the last hundred years, we've really moved towards having to things just in general being harder, right? Like we've moved towards comfort, right? And I think we have to recognize that our form, our bodies were actually kind of forged over thousands of years of things being hard, right? I have to find food. I have to continually move. Uh, and now uh, I always like to use the example of, you know, procuring food is no more difficult than walking 10 feet to your car, expending three calories to start your car and driving to a building where there's this little window and a little hand reaches out with a bag and it'll have 2000 calories worth of food in like this today it takes so little energy and effort to do things um that when it comes to thinking about oh i need to stop and think i need to move more i need to you know eat less poorly our bodies have just kind of gotten used to this notion of it should be easy everything should be easy that's that's what our goal should be as a society make it easy we apply we apply the amazon uh one hour delivery mentality to our lifestyle behaviors and when it doesn't come as easily as that quick of a delivery right uh things get frustrated right anything worth its salt usually takes a little bit of effort right most most things don't come don't come free i think one of the hard parts that i see is this this comfort especially when we talk about lifestyle is in movement right it's just it's so easy not to move now and to be able to not have to worry about it right uh you can have everything delivered to your home you can walk from your bed to your car to your office back to your car back to your home you can prob a lot of people could probably do that in 2000 steps or less unfortunately that leads to problems downstream problems with your health so while there's certainly personal choices that that come into play when it comes to lifestyle changes i think we should acknowledge the how the system how our modern lives um do make it challenging to to implement some of these some of these strategies and to be clear right our brains are wired for this right like if you're talking about uh the procurement of energy and cons conservation of energy of course we're, our bodies are going to take that option right because 
we don't have to expend so much energy that um, would have been very useful for our brains to think that way back when everything wasn't so plentiful. Right. And uh, the scientists, the food scientists at General Mills know this, right? Tell the bliss list, points. Yeah, tell the, the bliss about point. the bliss point. Yeah, the bliss point is like that perfect intersection of the of the processed food where the the salt and the fat and the sugar combine to maximize the release of dopamine in your brain, giving you that wonderful sensation of, oh, that was worth it. Uh, unfortunately, that that just lasts for just a brief moment. But um, to that point, that's how our brains are, again they're wired that way, right? We sh- we need we for for forever it would have been hard to get food, right? So if our brains can sense that we're getting lots of calories, it's going to say, yes, yes, yes. Because I don't have to worry about starving today. Because that's really the way we're wired, right? You get rewarded for not starving. You don't get, there's no disadvantage for overeating. Right, exactly. And I think that's one important thing to emphasize is that so many people, you know, take this as a as a, a personal failure when they're not able to sustain lifestyle changes. And that's where the difficulty lies, uh, lies is that it's hard because you're fighting against evolution in some sense. And again, the, these, the food scientists know that because they're tapping into uh, what your brain craves. It doesn't necessarily crave the things that would be healthy for you, um, and, and, and so that's what I'm saying when it when it comes to things that are are challenging. Then you then you look at things from a um, a time standpoint, and um, oftentimes it feels like you're adding too too much to your plate in a given day when you're struggling to to to, to make your nine to five and pick up your kids at school. The idea of trying to you know make fresh meals just seems way over, overwhelming when you can pop something in the in the microwave. So where where do you what do you tell uh your clients when, you know, they're faced with a incredibly busy schedule and that hurdle of difficulty when it comes to like a time management and and prioritizing these things? Yeah, I think a, a lot of that has to come with making bulk, right? You don't it's a lot more daunting if you have to from scratch every meal every day whereas things especially a lot of plant-based um recipes they keep really well so you can make a lot of it one day and then you can eat it in even in different slightly different forms throughout the week and um just that alone um makes things a lot less daunting plus it's you know it's just kind of like the groove thing once you kind of get into a a way of of living it just, it becomes second nature. It becomes habit. Um, and that's really what this is about. It's about changing the habit loops in our, in our brains and trying to help people achieve those health goals and then get their brains to understand those health goals and how they can make you feel better and bring those two things together. So, yeah, I want to add one thing as far as another suggestion, um, for, from the time management standpoint and being able to build this in one of my clients is incredibly busy and, and his his schedule is often um, punctuated by emergencies that he needs to attend to and um, therefore food gets kind of ignored at work and he, at times he was he was he didn't have anything to eat and so he'd be at the vending machines or people brought in pizza that's mm-hmm. what he would have to right um, 
rely on. And so one of the things I suggested to him was knowing that those events were going to occur, to plan for those uh, to happen and in turn have uh, something sustainable or something that healthier choices for himself there at where he works. And so they obviously have an employee refrigerator. And so he just puts his food there in the freezer, knowing that next time that he's going to have to work long hours or be incredibly busy, uh, he'll have those to, to, to draw from rather than the vending machine. But I do want to keep going on, you know, some of these other things that are difficult in society that make it, yeah, make people want to avoid from taking these steps, uh, in the first place. And so we talked about being up against the food scientists who obviously create foods that, that are hyper palatable and you want to keep going back and back uh, to eat more and more of them. We talked about the time as a constraint to implementing these, uh, these changes in your life. But then I, I also think there's, there's, there's others and that's the information out there. You know, when you go to your physician, he or she often doesn't have the knowledge to be able to tell you how to eat better how to exercise, how to improve your sleep. The default is either to refer to uh, a dietitian or to, you know, medicate. And so people in turn are left to Google uh, or to be faced with uh, the myriad number of influencers who are trying to tell you what's worked for them. And so I think that's a big hurdle that people have. They don't know what the right answer is. Yeah, I think that's. I think you the, you bring up the good point about the influencers, right? There's there's, a, there's no shortage of people who will tell you how they think you should live your life. And the real hard part about that is, is that we're all unique, and we all have our bodies are all going to be a little different. And so, what works for one person is going to be slightly different, probably for another person. But again, the influencers are influencing because they're they're trying to get their their message out there and yeah, I could right. get the eyes on them. I think uh, a good rule of thumb is if you read something that says everything you've learned about X is wrong, probably what you're about to hear is probably not right either. Yeah, it's just exactly. crazy. And th- that's a good point. I the, the the authors, podcasters, the bloggers, the influencers are usually trying to tell you what has worked for them. End of one. Yeah. And which is great, but that may not apply to your life. You know, you might be working two jobs. You might be working night shifts. You might be traveling a lot. You know, so these are all variables that affect your choices and what works for your life. And, you know, trying to follow the their prescription to a T inevitably is not going to lead to sustainable changes. And so one of the things that Jim and I frequently uh, talk about is this pattern of living whereby you are living a healthy life, uh, you know, 90, 95% of the time and, and fully acknowledge that you're going to fall off the horse from time to time. But you you have developed habits, developed behaviors that are sustainable in that any when, it, when you're thrown for a loop, uh, when you travel or holidays, things like that don't you don't fall off, off the horse for, for too long. And so it's, it's getting, it's beginning again, again, as, as you often say, Jim, that it's okay to, to stumble from time to time. But the, the, the point of getting back on the horse and starting over 
is a very important one because we all know that these diseases take years, decades to develop. And so the fact that you had a, you know, an extra piece of pie, you know, is not going to be the end of the world. So it's really about thinking about how these healthy behaviors uh, can be implemented to your life, not not anybody else's, but yours. Yeah, I think that's that's the hard part because it, it that how things are sold uh, online is here's what you got to do. This is what's worked for me, and and really, there there's so much. I say this all the time: low hanging fruit out there for people to make changes in their life to improve their health, but it becomes it becomes insurmountable, or at least it seems insurmountable when you get a prescriptive, this is what you must do. And then you do it for a few days and it gets really hard and you can't anymore. So you're just like, oh, well, forget about it. You know? And, and that's, that's completely wrong. Like there's, there are little things that can have outsized effects on your life. Yeah. And so I think that is the answer to the, the question that we asked from the outside. Why is this hard? It's oftentimes felt to be hard is because you're trying to apply a a prescription to your life that is not going to work. Your right. life is not the influencers. And so it's not as challenging when you work one-on-one with somebody who can sit down, better understand your life and your needs and your goals, and then come up with a plan thereafter. Right. That's a heck of a lot easier than trying to align some restrictive, right, like, you know, this is how you do it. Okay. Right. So you got to get up at 5am every day. Right. Okay. And then you can't have coffee for one hour and then you must exercise for an hour after that. And then you'll, you know, and then in the evening you must exercise again. And n- no, because that's fine if you're independently wealthy and you have an open calendar. Right. But right. for those of us that have kids and we're trying to work jobs, no, it, you gotta like, it's, happen. it's just a, it's a, it's a puzzle that you need to put together for yourself. So I think it would be helpful if we we left the listeners on this episode with uh, some additional suggestions about what would make it easier to implement some of these these changes. And why don't we touch on um, each of the the pillars? Sure. Just one one simple tip that people can do to consider implementing these into uh, their lives. And we'll just go back and forth. And why don't you start with nutrition? To start, before we even get into the details of each individual pillar, the first step you need to take is to start to be mindful and be intentional to kind of see, to be even able to have this ob- objective view, like how am I living my life? And so um, one thing that I would say for nutrition is uh, is try to eat 30 different plants a week. I'm not asking you to reduce anything right at the moment. I just want you to think about how I can get 30 different types of plants in your body. You glanced over an incredibly important topic there that we will cover in a future episode, being mindful about what you're eating. And so I will kind of dovetail off of that. One of the first steps that you should consider doing is why you want to make, establishing why you want to make these changes in the first place. Like before you even consider, you know, looking at a, uh, a cookbook or an exercise plan, you need to be sitting down to uh, think about why you want to make these changes. And again, that's a topic that we're going to explore further in a later episode, uh, and that's covered extensively in our course. But I'll just say that those are very important topics that we should that you want to address before even considering making more detailed changes. I feel like we need like some sort of device so that we know to go back and forth, like a hacky sack that we throw back and forth with each other. But I was going to say, you need to explain why should people eat 30 different plants a week? Why? 
Sure. No, that's a great question. Because Otherwise, it's just some guys telling you to do something again, right? Fair enough. Yeah. No, that um, the the reason is because one, it covers essentially all the micronutrients that you're going to need in a in a diet. Two is the fiber content. Fiber is incredibly important because it has uh, been shown to improve cholesterol levels. It helps with reducing your your appetite, meaning you feel fuller uh, quicker. So you're eating less overall, and that can help with weight loss. And then lastly, it also uh, helps with uh, fiber, that is, helps with um, increasing your micro gut microbiome diversity. And that component has been uh, connected with improved in a reduction in specific chronic disease, pathologies, overweight, diabetes. Um, generally speaking, people with a higher um, diversity in their gut microbiome tend to be healthier than those who who do not. So, thirty eating thirty different vegetables in a week uh, may seem daunting, but it's actually when you start including uh, herbs, seasoning. Uh, does it include nuts, sure. seeds? Yeah, yeah. I would say throw that in there, and I, I think an easy way to do it, I, I think. Um, is to go to your, if you, if you have the ability to, um, I live close to a grocery store. I can go down there and I can go to their salad bar and I can throw together a bunch of stuff and I've got a dozen different things in one meal. Yeah. Right. And I'm, I'm, what we're, what we're, um, suggesting is 30 over a week. Right. Um, so my nutrition tip I think is, is a, a food audit and, the best way to do this is to try to be, you know, a third person objectively. Like if you were having somebody to, to come in and look at your pantry, look at your kitchen and, and see what things maybe you would be best avoiding. And the reason to do it as, you know, as a, as a third party is because oftentimes we get emotional about the, what's in our pantries and we don't want to judge ourselves, let alone be judged. And I think if you had some uh, independent person who doesn't necessarily care. I just wanted to point out uh, what would the, what was in there that can be uh, removed would be ideal. And what one thing that I tell my patients is that this is uh, not a come in and you empty out everything and you start anew the next day. That kind of like cold turkey approach is not going to work. But what this allows you to do is take. Um, inventory of some of the foods that may not be so healthy for you, primarily the processed foods, uh, the colas, things like that. And, and, and acknowledge those, right. And, and see which one of those things you might be able to substitute out with something healthier or cut out, uh, altogether. And the point is to kind of make a list of those prioritize, which one could be removed and then peel away those those items over time again you don't have to remove them all at once but rather okay today is going to be or this week is going to be reducing the amount of uh diet cokes i have and then make that the goal i kind of smell a behind the scenes sound lifestyle medicine behind the scenes where dr koswitz does an audit of dr stefani's kitchen i think that'd be a great idea should we go on the road yes okay all right we'll do that just to to point out that nobody's perfect exactly what am i going to find mark 
Uh, you'll find you'll find ice cream uh-huh. in the freezer, which yes, I will attribute to my daughter, but I will also not lie in that I sometimes sneak a spoonful from time to time. Right. Um, that's probably the biggest offender right now. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> Only time will tell. <laughs> that I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> Movement. This is a simple one. Just just move, as we like to say. Get off zero. I th- there, there. You, you have to be honest with yourself with where you are in that spectrum of activity. Are you somebody who's at your desk all day and then you go home and are in front of the TV, or are you, you know, on the more active end? If you're already more active, then keep doing what you're doing. But I think we're really kind of talking to the people who really need to get off zero and start incorporating more activity into their life. And so, what I want to tell people is that. This doesn't need to be a prescription. This does not need to be, again, something where, you know, you've got to do P45. Is that what it's called? Uh, yeah, I think so. There's so you many... mean, like the, the, the gyms, you mean? Or no, you just, like, you're talking about like the, the P90X. Is P90X. Yeah, yeah. Well, now it's I think different. you're dating yourself. That's like a 90s thing. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. yeah. No, I think uh, F45. F45. That's the gym locally that we have. That's like a high intensity. Okay. Hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you don't have to subscribe to, you know, go out and get a gym membership. Find out what works for you. And if you were a swimmer back in the day, you know, pick that up again. If you just like to walk, do that again. Do what works for you because ultimately your body doesn't necessarily care uh, what activity is just as long as getting your heart rate up. And that's where your uh, biggest benefit to your cardiometabolic health it comes from is when that heart rate gets up to a, a little bit higher. Yeah, I, I I think just for context, I always use the statistic that on average Americans spend about sixteen hundred minutes a week watching a screen, and we would want people to try to move one hundred and fifty minutes a week with exercise. So if you just take a tenth of the time that less than a tenth of a time that people are typically watching screens and just moving, you could even walk while watching a screen. Mind blowing. I know, right? I'm boring. I know. These are the things that people tune in for. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Stress. Stress. Let's rapid fire this. Yeah, rapid fire it. Stress. Um, so stress is a big topic that we'll be covering. And the goal that we're going to try to get people is to move stress from an emotional to a just a sensation. Um, there's going to there's gonna be a lot of talk around this. But I think one thing that can help people is there are two forms of... Um, what we call the autonomic nervous system, right? So these are automatic things that happen within your your body. Um, there's the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. Sympathetic is the fight or flight. Parasympathetic is the rest and digest. So one very easy way to uh, activate the parasympathetic or the part that takes our body down, makes our body relax, is to take 10 good breaths. Big breaths in through your nose, out through your mouth exaggerated big long breaths because we know that this actually activates the parasympathetic nervous system and helps you relax so real quick you feel like you're getting stressed out stop intentionally take 10 deep breaths you just couldn't help yourself with that longer explanation could you yeah no i can't so it's like i I feel like we need like the jim kramer like you know he's got like the the board of like noises and you can just have one that's like nerd alert or something like that right like you just like, uh, here he goes. It's like, well, t- don't worry, people. We'll timestamp it so you can skip me right, talking right. about all this stuff. Yeah. Um, I'll skip mine because that was sufficient. That was good. And then let's do stress. Excuse me. We just did stress. Let's do sleep. Oh, you want me to do sleep too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, hell, this is all getting this is getting asymmetric. Okay, so sleep, uh, real simple. Um, human beings need six, eight hours of sleep. Probably seven is probably a good target. Um, but I want people to try to focus on being consistent. So uh, I know lives are hectic, but in general, most people live on a relatively normal uh, nine to five schedule. Hopefully, but if you can consistently get sleep, you should have a period of time where you. I want to be in bed by nine or 10 o'clock at night if that works for you. Uh, so I, I tell people, um, set an alarm. You should, you have an alarm to wake up in the morning. You should have an alarm to tell you it's time to start to wind down, to go to bed, have a good 45 minutes to wind down. That means no screens, no blue light. That means maybe taking a bath, taking a shower and be ready to be in bed at a consistent time every night. Yeah. That was more than one tip, but we'll let, let it fly this time. I, mine would be, uh, avoiding alcohol. Hmm as long for as long as you can before you go to bed so ideally at least three to four hours yeah you want to get it all metabolized before you're or most of it metabolized before you try to fall asleep let's end with connections sure make a friend make a friend (laughs) not a facebook friend yeah well i think that that's you highlight a very important thing right um we the definition of connection has changed in the last 10 to 20 years with the onset of social media right we would say, you know, instead of, um, you know, taking a picture and posting it on Instagram of the meal, you know, so that all your friends can see it, actually invite a friend to have a meal with you so that you can discuss things over that meal rather than just taking pictures of food at a restaurant. And I would say take inventory of those closest to you. Um, I will mention, you know, the Harvard study that's been going on for 80 plus years, I think, uh, which demonstrated that it was the quality of your relationships that was the primary uh, factor in longevity. Longevity, but on then overall health. Right. That the better quality relationship the individuals had, the better their health and the better their longevity. So it is incredibly important. Take inventory of those that you love. Let them know that you are wanting to make healthier choices in your life and that you need their support. So. We covered a lot of ground in this episode. Uh, I think if, I think a few of these first intro op, uh, podcasts will be a little bit more general as we uh, get into the weeds later. I want to remind you of our Basecamp course that will be launching in January. Um, and prior to that, we'll be having a, a live launch program that uh, will kind of tease what that Basecamp's all about. So look out for that. If you haven't already, check out our website where you can sign up for our our newsletters and any new information that we release. And so never hesitate to shoot us a question at hello at soundlifestylemedicine.com. Thanks again for tuning in and we will see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us on the Sound Lifestyle Medicine Podcast. For more insights and practical tips, subscribe and catch us on the next episode. Until then, here's a few things you can do right now to get started. Download our free Six Pillars of Lifestyle Medicine Guide to begin optimizing your health today, or book a free 30-minute informational call with us to learn more about how sound can give you the tools for a healthier you. Lastly, discover your clear and personalized roadmap to optimal health through enrolling our Better You Basecamp course. You can grab the links to all these and more in each episode's show notes. So here's to a sound, healthier you, and we'll see you next time.